one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, looking ahead to the Premier League weekend in the company of the former Benfica, Chelsea and West Ham left back and Britain's next top middle-aged model, Scott Minto, and TalkSport football correspondent, Alex Crook, who's never been a model anything. Uh, this week, all eyes on Anfield as Manchester City looks to cause Liverpool more grief. Brendan Rodgers still clings on at Leicester, but defeat to the Eagles might change that. Spurs welcome Everton, two promoted sides clash, and we have Friday and Saturday football for you on TalkSport. A big weekend, a big preview. You've come to the right place. Gentlemen, a busy week in the Champions League. City frustrated, Chelsea calm and composed in the face of adversity. Spurs going 1-0 down, took the handbrake off and won at home. And Liverpool and Rangers serve up an eight-goal thriller. Well, I might be pushing it a little bit, but there were eight goals in the game, that's for sure. Uh, Give me a quick Champions League highlight from the week. Scott, do you want to start? Um, well, Tuesday, mate, I was at the Valley, so it wasn't um, Champions League, it was ah. League One, but a very good win for Charlton. And on Wednesday, I was doing Victoria Pilsen against Bayern Munich, where Munich went 4-0 up after 35 minutes, basically coasted, ended up 4-2. But no, look, I'd have to say, and, it, and I'm actually not going to go Chelsea, I might surprise you. I'm going to go one of my other clubs, Benfica, against PSG. Home and away, they've uh, they've not lost to them, and um, they look very much favourites to go through to the, the knockout stages along with the the big boys of France. Oh, it's at times like this that uh, you know I dance a bit of the samba beat and we remember Scott's wonderful Portugal experience. Yes, I wonder what you were doing there. You were moving there, and I'm just moving to the music. Bit... I know producer Jeremy's put some lovely Portuguese music <laughs> underneath your little bit about Benfica. As soon as you said Benfica, that's it. We get the Portuguese music. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, Alex Crook, um, often spent quite a lot of time in Portugal. Um, what was your highlight of the week? Well, I did the Manchester City game. I thought that was uh, fascinating for a nil-nil draw. But for me, it was the last 10 minutes of Barcelona against Inter Milan. Absolutely bonkers finale to that game. It was like a basketball match. And uh, yeah, a wry smile that Barcelona, having uh, rewritten all the financial rules over the course of the summer, looked to have crashed out the Champions League. I call that karma. Not just yet they're hanging on by their fingernails he's a bad uh, kid that crook bad kid <laughs> he is a bad kid uh tottenham hotspur against um eintracht frankfurt was a fascinating game it was nil nil the first game that i did and then i went to the tottenham hotspur stadium on wednesday night expecting it to be a bit cagey it was not it was it was crackers mainly because tottenham as they often do made such a stupid error to give eintracht frankfurt the lead and then knew that they had to win the game so they had to chase it straight away um, and they just opened up, went for it. It was lively. They got themselves into a brilliant position. They were winning 3-1. They were making all the subs, resting everybody for the weekend, and then conceded a goal from the corner, started to have a panic, then went up the other end, got a penalty, missed the penalty, and then still were panicking right to the very end. I mean, it was it was chaos, but that's what Tottenham Hotspur do. They don't make it easy for themselves, do they? Right, let's get to Anfield, the big weekend game. 32 goals have been scored in the last eight games between City and Liverpool. More of the same, please. Back into Haaland. Oh, what a finish. Inevitable from Erling Haaland to get his name on the score sheet this afternoon. We know we have an incredible threat up front, weapon to use him. De Bruyne charging forward now. Into Foden in the area, in space, over the goalkeeper and in. That's sensational from Phil Foden. We don't have to make uh, a big thing of it, but uh, the best football team in the world right now is waiting on Sunday. So, are uh, we coming to Anfield? Firmino back to Salah again, dancing into the box. He's taking on all comers. He's gone behind, past Kraftkar, end up on his backside. Oh! What a goal! He 
It's magnificent from Mo Salah. He's as mesmerizing as Messi, as ruthless as Ronaldo. Magic Mo Salah. Well, Liverpool beat Rangers 7-1 with super sub Salah scoring a six-minute hat-trick. How will that help them going into Sunday's game, Scott? Well, look, I mean, let's be fair. They're coming up against what I believe is the best team in the world and they've just played a team that, fantastic club, great fan base, but because of where they are in the league they're playing in, probably are a championship side. So let's not go overboard about that. But what I would say is if they'd have lost that game, wow, you know, going into it, the pressure would be mounting. But as soon as they're playing for the first 15, 20 minutes, that Rangers game's out the way and you're playing Man City. And if they're putting the ball around like they have done this so far this season, and if Liverpool are so far off the pace that they have been so far this season, look, it, 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 again, it, it could be a real, real bad score. And this could really hurt Jurgen Klopp as well. I personally, and look, um, we know Trent's injured, but he talked about reinventing himself or reinventing the Liverpool team a couple of weeks ago after the Napoli game. I'd actually go 3-4-3. I think it's more um, better defensively. If they're not at it in terms of the intensity of where they can play against Manchester City and suffocate teams in the way they used to, then just bring it back a little bit and go 3-4-3. But I, I, yes, it's given a little bit of confidence, but I'm telling you now, Sam, five, ten minutes into that game, if City are pinging the ball around, then that game's out the window against Rangers. Uh, on the injury front, Liverpool's season has gone from bad to worse. Diaz has got a serious injury. He's not going to play until at least Boxing Day. Trent's ankle is not great. Matip struggling. Arthur Mello out. That signing's worked out. Um, City held by Copenhagen in the week. Gomez sent off. Haaland left out. Is it a worry that he's going to be fresh after his midweek rest, Crook? Or... Are City in danger of becoming a team that are just over-reliant on one big striker? Um, I think it's a really interesting point, actually, because they did lack a focal point without Haaland. Obviously, they went down to 10 men after half an hour on Tuesday, and that does change the game plan. But they clearly weren't the same force um, without their main number nine. I think he will be fresh for this game. I think he'll be determined to continue his scoring run. But actually, I think that the, the big danger for Liverpool comes from all over, really, and particularly João Cancelo. I know both Scott and I were impressed with him uh, on Tuesday night, impressed with his energy. I was commentating the game with Matt Holland, former Ireland midfielder. He described him uh, as the bionic man because he just doesn't seem to tire. He's got an incredible engine. He can play either side as an out-and-out fullback. He can play as a wingback, uh, as he did when Pep Guardiola switched to a back three after sending off and Obviously, a lot of focus has been on Liverpool's wing-backs with Trent Alexander-Arnold, not his best. Uh, Andy Robertson, who I think will start the weekend, just coming back to fitness. Uh, I think Cancelo is going to give Liverpool uh, and many teams in the Premier League a real problem. Haaland has got all of the headlines. But if we're talking about players of the season so far for Manchester City, I think Cancelo is right up there. Don't be ridiculous. Player of the season so far is definitely Haaland. That's just a stupid thing to say. But he has had a really high level of contribution and wandering into midfield and causing all sorts of problems as well gives them that extra man. Anyone who can, I won't say dominate a game, but can help control a game from left back is some player, let me tell you. A ridiculous cross he put in with the is outside. Is that speaking from experience? Absolutely. <laughs> as someone who struggled to do that. <laughs> well, you know, let, let's put Minto and Cancelo in the same sentence and then just chop up that sentence and, and bring Cancelo to where he is. Listen, he's cancel a Cancel Minto, I think it does. If you put it together, it says cancel Minto. If you <laughs> yeah, I know you'd like to do that. Um Listen, this this is one of the best players in the Premier League right now. He, he, he doesn't just play out wide. He could play in central midfield. He's that good. And he can bomb on. Um, you know, the ridiculous ball he put in, I think it was for Riyad Mahrez, from the, with the outside of his boot at the weekend. He is like a central midfielder playing at left back. And he is that good. He would be one of my players of the season in the Premier League so far. In terms of Liverpool... Well, look, Darwin Nunez seems to be um, getting back into things, doesn't he? And I saw a lot of him at Benfica last season. I covered the Portuguese football. And listen, he will be a big hit. It's just unfortunately for him, another guy who's got into a, a, a team called Manchester City seems to be absolutely scoring goals for fun. So with his sending off earlier in the season, that certainly didn't help. I think he's he'll be a really, really good Premier League player. Um, I think Luis Diaz is a big, big miss of that. There's no doubt. I, I I think you kind of, if you don't do the 3-4-3, three, three, then 
why not play a similar team that you did in the week? And I think Bobby Firmino is, is, is actually getting back to, I want to say the form of a few years ago, but he's being much more influential than he has been over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, obviously he provided the platform for Salah to come on and do what he did over the course of the last half hour of that game in midweek. I thought that, um, I think it's really interesting because how do you get all, everybody into the same team? You can't play Darwin, Nunez, Firmino and Salah as a front three, or can you? You can play Firmino maybe at the top of a diamond four in midfield and play two strikers, Salah and uh, Nunez. Maybe that's an option for them. Um, maybe Diogo Jota will come back roaring into form. I mean, they do have options going forward. One of the biggest issues has been in midfield, I think, so far this season. That's been their, their biggest problem. Of course, Trent being out at right back means they have to make a change there. There's still no Robertson. You know, there, there is a lot of problems for Jurgen Klopp to, to overcome. And he's been very spiky this week. I didn't like the, uh, the ultimate dissing of Didi Haman. Whatever the reason is for that, and there's obviously a much bigger backstory of which we are not um, completely au fait with. I don't know what Didi Haman's reputation is in Germany. I, 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 am, I always imagined it was quite good, bearing in mind that he scored a winning goal against England in the last ever game at Wembley. But you never know. Maybe there is some, he's tainted in some way. I don't know. But Jurgen Klopp clearly was not having any reference to the former Liverpool midfielder. Uh, but I thought it was surly the way he did it. And for those who don't know Jurgen Klopp or don't meet him on a regular basis, he can be a bit like that, can't he, Crook? Yeah, I think Surly's putting it politely. I thought it lacked class, to be honest. You're talking about someone who's won the Champions League for Liverpool, as you said, has scored an iconic goal for Germany at Wembley, and someone who is entitled to his opinion. And actually, you can't argue with that opinion. Liverpool have lacked the spark this season. They've struggled in midfield, as you as you said. Trent struggled. Salah isn't the force of old. They've badly missed Sadio Mane, in my opinion. And when you see Klopp react like that, it's not the first time he took a strange pop at our own Gabby Agbonahor uh, for something he said about opponents Manchester United before they promptly got rolled over at Old Trafford. This is a manager under pressure. And as you say, we've all experienced it. When things aren't going 100% well for Jurgen Klopp, he can turn on the media. I thought it was a poor look for Jurgen Klopp and it, it just shows he is feeling the strain, in my opinion. The only thing that Jurgen Klopp actually did to Gabby Ekbonlehor was raise his profile again and alert everybody <laughs> to the fact that he's hosting radio shows on Talk Sport because, uh, uh, I mean, uh, it was just a brilliant advert for, for Gabby. Um, that game is Sunday. It's 4.30. We'll cover it on the Sunday session and the boot room with Crook. This is the programme that brings you closer to the football each day. It's Talk Sports game day. Ivan Tony sets the seal on the three points for Brentford. I think we should have had more points. So in terms of performance, I'm satisfied with the results. I'm not. Leandro Trossard was surely the winning goal for Brighton. Problems mounting once again for Brendan Rodgers. Whatever decision the, the board wanted to make, I, I will always respect them. Mateta, magnificent! What a great goal from Crystal Palace. Mitrovic with a header. It's scored! Alexander Mitrovic for Fulham. What a turnaround. Bournemouth 2, Leicester City 1. The Cherries in front, in front of their new owner. There's a bit of noise going on around the place, but we're fully focused on what we take out on the pitch. Game day here, bringing you the very best of the action in the Premier League. Saturday is game day on Talk Sport and it starts at 12.30. Uh, Leicester City have refunded and stopped all birthday announcements for their game on Saturday due to requests such as Zach Rogers and Brendan Nout. I feel like he's being a little bit hounded here, um, but, but is this a win or bust scenario for Brendan, do you think, um, Scott? Yeah, they, the fans can be cruel but clever at times, can't they? Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, after, after the win and the performance against Forest, you're thinking, right, you've got a team that Okay, Gary O'Neill has done very well, and we'll come on to them in just a second. But you, you've got to go on a win this. And the first half, they were very good and very dominant. But yet again, in the second half, you know, just capitulating. They did it at Spurs. They did it against Brighton. Um, I don't think necessarily it's this one game. I don't think if they lose, but they've got two home games coming up. It, it's Palace and Leeds. And I think that's going to be very telling. And then the game after that is away at Wolves. 
if you don't get any points or you get one point out of those three games, I don't see how he can continue to be in the job. I think the owners want him to succeed. Um, I think he's turned down in the past while he's been at Leicester, Arsenal and even Newcastle. So they, they want to show a little bit of loyalty. We've talked, Sam, before about the, the financial implications of, of sacking him as well. But I think these two games, these two next home games are absolutely crucial. Win both of them and you can turn it around to a point. But I think ultimately it's just a question of when. Um, well, only Erling Haaland has more goal involvement since uh, May in the Premier League than James Madison. The links to Newcastle keep resurfacing for him. But is he single-handedly keeping Brendan in his job right now with some of, some of his displays that he is producing? Yeah, although he couldn't live up to the hype against Bournemouth, uh, Gary O'Neill came up with a master plan. We touched on this on uh, Monday before the game at Forest against Villa when we were analysing O'Neill's success. And he, well, he worked out a way. Well, keeping quiet. That's the key. Well, maybe O'Neill has set a blueprint uh, with the greatest respect in the world. If Bournemouth can come up with a game plan to keep James Madison quiet, then Patrick Vieira and Crystal Palace should be able to do the same. And I think if you stop the supply from Madison, there isn't a great deal there for Leicester. And there's a lot of players, actually, who are underperforming for Leicester. We, we talked a lot about defensively. I think we're all agreed that the goalkeeper probably is not fit for purpose in the Premier League. Johnny Evans, I think he's almost playing from memory now. But going forward as well, Jamie Vardy came off the bench against Bournemouth. Another frustrating afternoon in front of goal for him. I don't think Harvey Barnes has matched the heights that we saw at times last season. And Kin and Dewsbury Hall as well. So it's not one player who is underperforming. It's a collective and actually, you're right, Madison and maybe Pats and Dacker as well, who's come up with some big goals of late, are the two exceptions to that. But they've got problems, Leicester, all over the pitch. And I genuinely think they're relegation candidates. I really do. We're nine games into the season. You're not in the bottom three by accident that, you know, with that many matches played. Um, I, I like Dacker. I mean, raw speed, excellent, bit of ingenuity, scored a great goal against Nottingham Forest. I, I think he's all right as a player, actually. I don't think they're in a relegation battle. I don't think they will be in a relegation battle by the time we get back from the World Cup. The World Cup's going to change a lot of things. Maybe that's the point where they decide to change their manager. I understand why they want to stick with Brendan Rodgers because ultimately he's a good coach and things have gone against him. But injuries uh, are part of the job, as uh, many a manager has found out. Um, Palace, everyone expecting them to kick on after what was a tough start to the season. They weren't particularly good against Leeds last week, Scott. This is a big opportunity for for Patrick Vieira to put three points on the board, isn't it? Yeah, it is, absolutely. And um, look, they weren't great, you could say, against Leeds, but Leeds are a tough team to play against. Leeds, you know, they're not going to be sort of top 10 come the end of the, no. the season, but they're, they're, they're tough to play against with the way they play. Yeah, it's and, only Crook that thinks they're in a relegation battle, by the way. The rest of us all just think they're actually quite a good team and they'll win some and lose some and do all right. No wins in five. Yeah. Okay, but they won games earlier on in the season, mate. Yeah. You know what it's like to go through a long spirit period without winning a game. Manchester United <laughs> was the end of the last season. Shall I carry on or do you want to respond? Yeah, sorry, go on. Let, the silence was <laughs> deafening from him afterwards. Uh, look, I, I'm pleased for, for Patrick Vieira. I, I've said, I think just a few weeks ago on the, on the Game Day podcast that I, I think he's Arsenal's next manager. And look, he had some difficult games that, to play. And I think they played four of the top six and it, it was only one win in seven before then. But to come back um, against Leeds and, and get the win. And I, I just, I like his tactics. I like that he's quite bold. I like the players that he puts in his sides. I think with better players, he would get better results. But all the time he's learning at the moment. And I love Ebre Eze. I, I, he's a guy who I remember when the pandemic first happened and I was working on the championship and on a Zoom meeting, we said, right, let's all give our own personal championship teams of the year. And I was the only one that put Eze in my championship team of the year, despite QPR being mid-table at that time. I could see the talent. And the fact, again, like Iwobi at Everton, these wide players actually can really do really well in central midfield and, and mm. get more on the ball. So I'm really pleased for him. And I know that, you know, with respect to Crystal Palace, he, he's even got higher potential there as well as Patrick Vieira. Yeah, looking forward to this game. It's Saturday, it's 12.30. It's live on Talk Sport. There's jeopardy involved in it, isn't there, because of the situation uh, involving uh, Leicester City and Brendan Rodgers. Um, just a, a quick word back on that, you know, that, that, that those birthday announcements, right? The key phrase there was Leicester have refunded and stopped your birthday. Do you have to pay? to have your birthday announced on the big screen. 
I mean, I know, I, I know, I know. Old Top has lost quite a lot of cash over the last three or four years. In fact, he's lost about three and a half billion quid over the last uh, couple of years. But I mean, that's clawing it back, and then there's clawing it back. <laughs> How much is a happy birthday on the big screen at Leicester worth? Obviously, it can't be that expensive because otherwise people wouldn't have been sending in joke ones. Anyway, live on TalkSport that game. Live on TalkSport on Friday night, 8 o'clock, Brentford against Brighton. Thomas Frank not very happy after the defeat to Newcastle. One win in six now for Brentford. Are they in danger of suffering a little bit of second season syndrome, Crook? Or have they just been a little bit unlucky? Well, they were a bit unlucky with uh, <laughs> their own mistakes, really. All came in one game against Newcastle and probably 5-1 was a bit of an unfair reflection on proceedings. But I saw them against Arsenal a few weeks ago. I thought they were really poor in that game. They were strangely passive for a home side. who were going into that fixture in relatively good form. I saw them down at Bournemouth when, again, Gary O'Neill came up with a master plan to quiet Ivan Tony. Didn't deserve much from that match either. And you say about second season syndrome, they weren't great at periods last year. Before Christian Eriksen came in, I think they were in big danger of relegation. I think actually their tactics are a little bit basic. I described them, you felt harshly last season as a modern day Wimbledon, but they are quite direct. I don't think they're particularly great to watch. And if if Ivan Tony doesn't score, then you do wonder where the goals are coming from. So if we're talking about teams in danger, I think this relegation battle could could involve seven or eight teams this season. I think they're one of them. Um, They faced the Newcastle side who had six shots on target in the game last week and scored five. So um, that always strikes me as just a little bit unfortunate. Uh, Thomas Frank selected by Roy Keane as one of his top three managers in the league. How good is he actually, Scott? No, I, I think he is good. And I, I know what you're saying, Crookie, about the style of play. But I mean, I covered them again in the championship and they played some fantastic football. They really did. And I think mm. he realised in the Premier League, it's one thing to do it in the championship. It's another thing to try and play that type of style in the Premier League. So he adjusted. And that's what I like about managers. I like managers having a philosophy and want to play all nice football. But ultimately, they know it's about winning games. I think Christian Norgard being out has been a big miss for, for yes. Brentford. I really do. Yeah. Um, and, and they're a different side when when he's in there. Uh, you know, interesting, Ivan Tony. I, I I watched that game. I was working in Malaysia at the time, Crookie, of, of the, the Arsenal game, and Brentford were never in it from minute one. No. I was really disappointed in them. But look, I, I, you can look at the bottom half of the table. I think there's only West Ham I'd take out and say everyone else I, 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 I need to look over the shoulders and, and worry and get win, get win. So, yes, of course, Ericsson coming in made a... Uh, a, a big plus point for them. I think David Ray are coming back last year as well. They are one of the sides that will need to be careful here and make sure they get as many points as possible. Yeah, that Arsenal game um, was probably their worst performance at the Brentford Community Stadium since it opened. I was there for TalkSport and it, was, uh, it wasn't it was pretty. But Arsenal are a very good team and uh, we've seen that over the course of this season. We'll come on to them in just a second. Um, let's talk a little bit about Brighton for all the praise that Deserby's been getting. He hasn't won a game in the Premier League yet and they've shipped eight <laughs> goals in the last four games, which is a little concerning. And could it lead to a belting Friday night game between these two, both of them desperate for a win? I know I'm trying to build it up, but the Premier League in general needs a good Friday night game. He hasn't won a game yet, having been to Anfield and played Tottenham at home. I mean, I'm a harsh right. taskmaster. But that true, is taking and, and crookie. It was eight goals conceded in the last four games, and how many Just games? Saying, they're, not in, they're not. They're not in great form, you know. Well, no, but this was always going to be a tricky start because the fixture list hasn't been particularly kind to Deserby. He will see this as an opportunity. I, I think Brighton will have too much energy. I think they have too much guile for Brentford, and I think this will be the night when the Deserby rain really gets off and running. Fulham against Bournemouth is Saturday live on Talk Sport Two. Um, now let's see if we can get through this section of the programme without Crook saying these words. Gary O'Neill came up with a master plan. Um, can Bournemouth exceed expectations when they go to Fulham on Saturday, Scott? Well, once Gary O'Neill comes out with his master plan. Um, <laughs> oh, it's too easy. No, I, look, I, I thought you were going to say, can we actually uh, avoid saying the words Alexander Mitrovic? Because, you know, he's a he's a big blow, isn't he? When 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 he's not playing for Fulham and massive hole, 
Massive, massive. And and look, I thought I thought Marcus Silva was unlucky last week, and I'm I'm not going to complain with my West Ham hat on, but the decisions I felt didn't go for Fulham. But generally speaking, they they weren't great, and they're not anywhere near the sides without Mitrovic in. Certainly, the form he was in at the start of the season. But look, I mean, I, I, I've got a question for Crookie, actually. I'm just looking at the table. And um, if people are saying Bournemouth are sort of relegation candidates, does that mean Man U are as well, being on the same <laughs> amount of points? <laughs> I don't think so, Scott. Are I mean, the ridiculous, thing, today? the ridiculous thing there is that Bournemouth are riding high in the table with a minus 12 goal difference, is it, they've got because of that 9-0 defeat at Liverpool. But listen, they have exceeded expectations. I think they've exceeded even their own expectations. They've lost to the teams that you'd expect them to, okay, heavily in the case of Liverpool. But to beat Aston Villa, to beat Leicester, you know, two much more established teams in the Premier League, to pick up gritty points at Newcastle, who obviously are an excellent side under Eddie Howe, I think they have they have got more than the sum of their parts. And uh, actually... I think Scott Parker, having said this group of players weren't equipped for the Premier League, might be feeling a bit foolish right now. Um, what about Fulham? Because without Mitrovic in the team, they've looked a little bit average. Um, conceded 17 goals in their last seven matches. And actually, we all talk about the fact that they lack a little bit of firepower. But actually, one of their big problems has been they still concede too many goals, Scott. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just not sure they're good enough defensively. It's as simple as that. I mean, you know, they, they certainly concede a lot more away from home than at home. So they'd be pleased they're playing at the cottage. But, you know, they are up against a side where a month ago they'd be saying, please, can we play Bournemouth week in, week out? And now I, I agree with Crookie. And again, I said a few weeks ago that I think Gary O'Neill is is almost doing well for another job somewhere else, maybe a top-end championship. Why would the new owners change anything right now? They are completely overachieving. So, it, and, and the thing is, what happened last week, the fact they were a goal down and still came back and won the game, even if they go a goal down here, they've been there before mentally. So I actually think, you know, the pressure's much more on Fulham than it is on Bournemouth here. And, and I can see Bournemouth at the very least getting a draw. Well, Crook did a package for game night on Monday night detailing exactly what Gary O'Neill has changed at Bournemouth. Tactically aware, able to make intelligent game decisions um, during the match. He spoke to a lot of the players. The players have sort of said, you know, he gives us better information, clear information. He's good at communicating. He's obsessed with football. I've known Gary a long time. He spent so much time studying and working on formations and systems and training sessions and plans. He's worked at big clubs before as well. I mean, the question, I'm not going to ask you to repeat it, Brooke, because I don't want to hear the word master plan again. But what are they waiting for? Because he's going to get the job right now. I get the feeling now, eventually, he's actually going to get the job. I think I'm leaning more towards that. Um, when Scott Parker was first removed, they were pretty clear, my sources there, that Gary O'Neill wasn't really in the running for the job on a long-term basis. I think they've been pleasantly surprised not that they didn't think he was going to be a good coach but just how quickly it's all come together in the you know such a difficult league the hardest league in the world he's met the new owner I get the impression that Bill Foley quite likes Gary O'Neill he certainly enjoyed the the nature of the performance which is a bit more positive against Leicester I think that's important because Bill Foley wants his teams to be entertaining and O'Neill did take the shackles off a bit against Leicester but I think the sensible decision is to give it to him until the end of the season. I don't think they necessarily need to commit any longer than that. Maybe there could be a, a clause that if he keeps them in the Premier League, then he, a new one-year contract is automatically triggered. I think he would accept the job on that basis. And I don't think they need to rock the boat by bringing in an outsider. I also don't think they need to make a decision right now about anything. It, it, it ain't broken. Don't fix it. And Gary, you know, his, his main house is only about five minutes down the road for me. So he might be knocking on the door saying what you're saying. But look, <laughs> I think ultimately he will get it. But wait till the World Cup. Yeah, maybe. Why? But 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 why should Gary O'Neill sign a rolling contract at the end of the season and a one-year contract after that when there are other clubs who are looking at the work that he's doing and going, do you know what? We might offer you a little bit more security than that. He's not going to just accept that. Eventually, at some stage, you do have to make a call and put your faith in someone, don't you? Do you know what, though? I think there's a, there's a case study here. You know, you look at the number of managers who lose their job. Scott thinks Brendan Rodgers will go. I think Ralph Hasenhutl will, will go Whoa. at some point between now and the World Cup. We, I think 13 managers, 13 managers in the championship have already lost their jobs. Why 
do we dish out such long-term contracts when the average tenure of a manager is less than a season? I think all managers should be on rolling contracts. Okay. Do, do you know what? In in Spain, it's been rolling for a year for for years. When I was on La Liga, it was everyone was pretty much on a unless the, you're a real top manager, a rolling contract. It's coming into the game now in English football as well. And it, you know, if they get paid an extra year on top of that, and and you say about why would he? Well, because he's being offered a job as a Premier League manager, as it stands. That's why he'd do it. And if he doesn't happen and he gets paid up the year or whatever, he then goes to another one because he's he's building a reputation here. And even if Bournemouth do go down, you can't blame him for that. But the experience he's gaining this year and at the moment and the table just looks ridiculous how well they're doing. So just, just keep it as it is. Don't change anything at the moment. And if he gets a rolling contract, you know, my advice to him would be sign it, you're a Premier League manager. Let's see what happens. Um, let's send our attention to Sunday now because all oh, the fun is on Sunday on the Sunday session. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Manchester United versus Newcastle. The Sunday session comes from here this Sunday, two o'clock. United have dazzled no one, but they are accumulating points. Five wins in the last six. Can they extend that against Newcastle United, Crook? Tough game. Uh, Newcastle high in confidence. They're going to give it a right go. They've got players uh, banging form, players influencing matches like Bruno Guimaraes, who I think has been one of the signings of uh, recent transfer windows, not just for his ability, but for his um, relationship with the Newcastle supporters. I think he's almost been an emblem of their new era. So I think United are going to have to raise their game a notch. I don't think they can afford to give Newcastle a goal head start as they did against Everton. But I've spoken to a lot of people this week, Sam, because it... It got on my goat oh, a bit we go. uh, when here we did we the podcast with you and Darren Lewis and, and you you thought I was being red-tinted in my assessment of Manchester United's performance. Spoke to Matt Holland about it before the commentary on Tuesday. He agreed Manchester with me. United we thought that was one of United's best performances of the season. Their best performances under Ellington Haag because of the energy, because of the commitment. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but players like Marcus Rashford did more running than they have for a while. I think United are moving in the right direction. I think you were bang out of order last week, suggesting it was a rubbish game against Everton. It wasn't. Well, I canvassed quite a lot of opinion as well, and a lot of people suggested like, yeah, it was an average game, an average team, two mid-table teams finding it out. What do you think, Scott? You know what really made me laugh there? I've never seen Alex Crook trying to get angry. He was trying, yeah. Yeah. Because he, he knows that. deep down. That's the thing in his heart. He knows. He knows I think that he, it wasn't that great. He scowled his face and he almost thumped the table, but he stopped himself. And the fist yeah. went down, but he thought, oh, I might have hurt my hand here, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, I doubt it. He hasn't got that much strength. Um, <laughs> who starts up front for Ten Hag? Does Ronaldo get the nod after his goal off the bench against Everton? No, not for me. I, th- I think it's um, the fact that he's got the goal doesn't make a difference. He can come off the bench and 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 do whatever he wants. Um, I think it's about getting the right team and the right formation and the right style of play. You know, this is this is. I mean, I, I was listening to your podcast um, a few days ago and um, interesting debate about Man U and Liverpool. I, I'm with you. I do think Liverpool will finish above Man U. So for me, this is 
a team, this is a battle as to who's going to finish sixth between these two, in my opinion, at the moment. Um, so it's, it's it's a big game in that sense. I saw Crooks nod his head there as if to say, yeah, 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 I agree with you. But then earlier in the week, he was like, no, we're, we're in the race for top four. So has it changed in four days, despite the fact they're going in the right direction or they're going in the wrong direction again? No, they're, they're, they're in the race for the top four, but I think you have to probably put Newcastle in that race as well. To be as honest, we did on, um, on, on Monday and you shut us all down and said, no, no, we're going to... No, 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 no. I shot you down when you said that Liverpool would definitely finish above United. Yes. I know they just scored seven away from home, yes. but if you watch that first half performance against Ibrox, my money is safe, pal. Well, they were playing Rangers at Ibrox, <laughs> not against Ibrox, although it must feel like that with the noise that's in the stadium. But uh, uh, some people say things that make your eyes pop out like cartoon cats, don't they? Um, you know, Eric Ten Hag said this this week, I want to get the best out of Ronaldo. I'm here to support him. He wasn't in the best physical shape at the beginning. Which just goes to show how important pre-season is. I am happy because he's getting much better. He wasn't in the best physical shape. Was he talking about Crookie? <laughs> no, but there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between having a 12-pack and being Matt Sharp. And he hasn't looked Matt Sharp, not just for United, but for Portugal as well. So I think Ten Hag's got a point. Okay, uh, new best mate, because Ralph Hassan, who's now apparently getting fired, so he needs to find somebody else to hang out with and go for a beer. Hey, if you get a beer with Eric Ten Hag, you are, that, is, that is achievement of the season. Um, <laughs> but we, we, the question was at the beginning was, who plays up front for Manchester United? And if it wasn't for a weird quirk of the handball law, actually Rashford would have already beaten his Manchester United scoring record from last season. You wanted to talk about his running stats, but then you forgot that you had to accumulate them and look at them beforehand and didn't bring them with you. Um, but the issue is, when you look at Rashford's performances, his record of five goals and three assists looks great, but it could be a little bit misleading, couldn't it? Because he's only actually been involved in any goals in four of his nine appearances this season, with those figures enhanced by the fact that he scored two against Ammonia Nicosia, and he got a rather fortuitous brace against Arsenal. And for all this sort of talk that he should play down the middle, every single one of his goals so far this season has come when he's been playing on the left. I think you're harsh to say fortuitous against Arsenal. He, he took those goals well. He was brilliant in the game against Liverpool. The first two games of the season, get rid of all the stats because it was, they were all rubbish. You know, the, the, the season started against Liverpool that Monday night at Old Trafford. You've got a bit of a downer on Marcus Rashford. I think it's because you know, actually, that he's capable of producing better performances Correct. than he has done. And but I think, I think he's, he's getting there. To improve. I think this is a better Marcus Rashford than we've seen for some time. He's got a smile on his face. Uh, when he's playing football and we haven't seen that for a little while so <laughs> I'd be more worried about Jaden Sancho if he comes back into the team to be honest I'm not worried about Marcus Rashford whether he plays up front or he plays off the left I think he'll be fine Jaden Sancho is more alarming for me because this is someone who came with a huge price tag and you can count the number of decent performances on one hand he looks completely devoid of any confidence in his own ability I forgot about Jaden Sancho I didn't even know he was still there he was left out of the team and didn't get involved on uh, Sunday night. So God knows what's happened to him. His form has absolutely plummeted this season. And there was a couple of people suggesting that he should get back in the England squad after no a couple of games earlier in the season. But I, I mean, look, Rashford may be at a push if he is incredibly lucky, might sneak in the door, but there's no chance that Jaden Sancho will be going to Qatar. That is for sure. Quick word on Newcastle. We mentioned Bruno Guimaraes. I think Kieran Trippi is really important to this team as well because of his energy and his character, but also his ability to create stuff from set pieces, which causes people issues. It might cause Manchester United an issue because they did look a little bit ropey from set pieces uh, against Everton at times. Um, right, should we move on to Leeds against Arsenal? Top of the table, Arsenal. Go to Leeds on Sunday. Leeds have been unpredictable. Winless away from home. Unbeaten at Ellen Road, though. What should we expect from this game between Leeds and top of the lot, the Gunners? Scott Minto. No idea. Um, no. <laughs> come on. Cheers come for on, that. Come on, come on Scott. <laughs> you know Arsenal are going to win this. Uh, you're just talking about Leeds being unpredictable, so I'm trying to be half funny. Um, look, I mean... Oh, sorry, we missed that, mate. Sorry. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> um, Le- Leeds away... And, and Arsenal have struggled over the last few years. You know, Leeds away is not an easy place to go. We know it's um, that they're up for it. We saw how they played against Chelsea earlier in the season. And yet Chelsea, of course, were, were, were terrible that day, I have to say. But Arsenal, for me, are the second best team in the country right now. And they're playing with such confidence at the moment that 
I think they're able to handle the, the mentality nowadays where they didn't last season. The sort of big match mentality. These are the games. If you're going to do really well, you need to go and find a way to win. And I really think they will. They will. And uh, I think that Leeds, I agree with you. They'll win some, draw some, lose some. They'll be fine. When they come up against the real top teams, they'll lose. And that's what Arsenal are right now. They're a real top team. So for me, I think it's a it's an Arsenal win. And it's another statement for them in what is a big month with the teams they've played. They've played Liverpool. They've played Spurs. You know, they've got the um, uh, Europe to sort with as well. They're dealing with it. And we're re-evaluating our assessment of where Arsenal will finish almost as each game goes along. Sinistera is a massive boost returning from suspension. It could be a day for wingers, couldn't it? With Saka and Martinelli ripping it up right now, Crook. Yeah, I know you've got your doubts about Christensen, the, the fullback for Leeds, but I actually think he played quite well against Palace last week, probably his best performance in a Leeds shirt, but this is clearly a step up. Saka is in sensational form. They left out Gabriel Jesus for their trip to Norway in the Europa League on Thursday, so he's going to be fit and raring to go. Martinelli, a contender for player of the season so far, along with Haaland and Cancelo, by the way. Um, so I think Arsenal are just riding high in confidence. And I, I think the biggest compliment you can pay them is I never felt they wouldn't beat Liverpool last weekend. Even when Liverpool scored twice, I still felt Arsenal had the mental capacity and the belief to go and win the game. And th- this is a different Arsenal than we've seen for a number of years. Mm, that's, that's strange, isn't it? How well they've done mentally, where beforehand that has always been their biggest issue. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, though, putting it down to the fact that Mikel Arteta won't have anybody who answers back to him in the squad. There was like a recording that was leaked uh, from a Barcelona chat just after he left for the camp now, in which he said he doesn't want any big characters in the dressing room. He wants young players that he can manipulate. A bit like Pep when Pep was starting out. Pep was a bit like that. You know, He didn't want Ibrahimovic. He didn't want Eto. He, he didn't want Thierry Henry. He was like, get rid of all these big personalities and let me have these young, gifted, La Masia graduates and I'll build the team around them. And I I can understand that in a way because he wants people who are going to take on his instructions and not necessarily people that are going to question everything that he's trying to do when he's first starting out. Um, Leeds have got a bit of a concern about their defence. Leeds fans in particular have got a concern about their defence. Probably rightly so, bearing in mind Arsenal have scored 23 goals in the Premier League this season. Uh, Liam Cooper found out a little bit against Crystal Palace. Are their defence good enough for the Premier League, is he good enough for the Premier League? How do they how do they balance that sort of idea of all out attack when they've got the ball and having enough pace to stop people getting in behind them, Scott? Yeah, no, it, it is a problem, and and that's the problem that that Jesse Marsh has. You know, the Leeds are a very good side with the ball; they play with that intensity, but on the counter attack or even just when they come up against the Gabriel Jesus, they will struggle. There's no doubt about it. So. Are Leeds' defence good enough? No, I don't think in terms of, you know, where would they stand? Probably, I think they'll probably be sort of bottom half, definitely, maybe 15th, 16th, something like that. But going forward, they, they are they are good enough. So they'll struggle against the top teams, as I said earlier, and they'll struggle here. And I can see Arsenal winning, not just winning, but winning by a couple of goals. Aston Villa, Chelsea, 2pm Sunday. Aston Villa have been involved in the dullest matches of the season so far. Can anyone please describe what Aston Villa's style of play is, please. Hands up. Anyone want to have a go? Well, Aston Villa fans can't. If you heard the phone in after the game on Monday, that's been the big stick that they're beating Steven Gerrard with <laughs> three terrible games they've been involved in this season. That Southampton game on a Friday night, which stank the place out. Had to apologise to Mrs. Crook for making her watch it. The Leeds game wasn't great. And the second half against Forest was drab, drab, drab as well. And there, there were whispers this week that Maybe the owners at Aston Villa are starting to have doubts about Steven Gerrard. He's coming up for his one-year anniversary. I think at the moment, Christian Perslow, big mate of his from Liverpool, who was behind the appointment, is still pushing his corner. But he needs wins and fast, or he will quickly find himself out of a job. Uh, Gerrard calling on Coutinho, Bailey, Buendia, Watkins to make themselves headline makers when I spoke to him on Monday night. Should he maybe just thinking about sort of coming up with a way of getting them as drilled as a cohesive unit? Because one of the things that he's had a problem with is picking the same team on a regular basis. I know there's been injuries, but every time I look at that team sheet, it's a different front three. Well, that's because, you know, the the, the players aren't performing and you, you can say, are they not performing because of the manager? Well, I, I'm, 
Look, managers have never been more important than they are right now, but still ultimately it's about the players. And if you're, if they're not, I, I wouldn't have signed Coutinho. I, I don't know what they'd promised him at the end of the, the end of last season, but I think Danny showed, Murphy said exactly the same thing on Monday night's game night. Did he? I, I, I just think he's a homer at best away from home. He, he, he doesn't impose himself and Villa on games. Um, I understand what St- Stephen Gerrard's trying to say. He's trying to say, look, I'll try and build this. And in the final third, you're the flair players. Find something. You know, I can't tell you what to do in that given moment, but I still feel that with the ball and especially without the ball, they don't look solid enough. They just don't look like a cohesive team. So he's got to turn around and say to himself, right, this is my 11. I'm going to stick with this for the next four or five games. I'm only going to make one or two changes maximum. And actually, I'm going to work with you without the ball as well as with the ball. Because if they're conceding goals, you need two to win a game. If they keep a clean sheet, then they can nick one down the other end. Um, their opponents are Chelsea. And Chelsea have been pretty impressive under Graham Potter so far. I thought they were terrific in Milan. The way they sort of dealt with the hostility that came their way, they got a bit fortunate, I thought, with a red card. But hey, look, it's a European refereeing. We use a different rule book over here, apparently. Um, also, I think, you know, he's, uh, he's glow up off the pitch, arguably more impressive than what he's done with the team. I like the milk tray man look. The uh, blonde hair um, tint is working for him as well. I think he's sort of embraced the fact that he's earning a little bit more cash and looking a little bit more dapper to boot. Um, they don't have Reese James, though. They might not have Reese James this week. I know that Potter said that he, that he could be back. He's a doubt for the weekend. And, and when they don't have him in the team, it is a bit of a problem. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the big relief from an England perspective is that injury for Rhys James uh, isn't as serious as it first looked because um, we were in a situation at one stage where from having a plethora of, of right backs, suddenly we were down to Kieran Trippier. So I think it's great for England that Rhys James' injury is not serious. Uh, Chelsea need him back as soon as possible because I think he does make them tick. I've been really impressed with what Graham Potter has done there. Not the biggest of name, not the biggest of egos, but he's gone quietly about his business. He's very quickly stamped his ethos on the team. He's got them playing some excellent football and they are winning games and controlling games comfortably, uh, which wasn't the case at the start of the season. There have been uh, improvements of individual players as well, which shows what a good coach he is. Mason Mount is back to his best and he was floundering a bit under Thomas Tuchel. So I think Chelsea's appointment is working out very well and I think this will be another relatively routine victory against a very poor Aston Villa side. Oh, Mason Mount was terrific on uh, Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night. He was brilliant and he's been brilliant the last couple of weeks and it's great to see him back at his best. Uh, talking about teams that are back at their... Oh no, Southampton versus West Ham, 2pm on Sunday. Uh, Southampton have lost the last four Premier League matches. What is the current state of Ralph Hasenhutl's job security? Brooke? Flimsy. Uh, would be the word that I would use. Um, Cook's trying to get him fired now after keeping him in a job. No, no, I'm not trying to get him fired. I'm just analysing the situation. I'm looking at the toxicity on social media and at the ground on Sunday if things start badly for Southampton. This is a fan base who've given up on their manager. I think once that happens, no matter how many backers you have in the ballroom, I think it's very difficult to continue. They've had more bad news This week, Joe Shields, their head of recruitment brought over from Manchester City, is on his way to Chelsea, or he will be once he's served his period of notice. I know they're furious the way that has come about. They feel that there's been some underhand tactics with the way that it was leaked to the media before he'd even really spoken to them properly about leaving. What what, what underhand tactics? I mean, it's hardly sort of back-paid news, but uh, the underhand tactics, what, some guy has a job gets offered a better job or more money and decides to take it. What's the underhand tactic? Well, usually you would tell your employers before it comes out in the public domain. I'm not com- completely sure that happened would, in this would case. You? Would you? I, so I think they feel he owes them. Job, you, before you even went to have a discussion about it and it was all sorted, you'd tell your current employers about it, would you? Well, you wouldn't, tell, them, you would. you wouldn't tell the media first, would you? Well, who says he told the media? Maybe the media found out via a different route. You don't know that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're just being cynical. Stop being the Southampton press officer. You're a journalist. <laughs> God's sake. He's not anymore. Ralph won't buy him a pint, so that's why he's not, not looking after him now. Um, Skamaka and Paqueta looking like they're linking up nicely for West Ham. Uh, be good to see them uh, develop as a duo. Declan Rice needs to up his game a little bit, though, Scott, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I think he's doing that a little bit more, but he's still way off what he was last season. I mean, look, he's come out and said, you know, the amount of games he's been playing is 
is ridiculous. And, you know, I think David Moyes has to manage him a little bit better, which I think he is in Europe now, whereas he was almost playing every game last season. But him and Bowen, to be fair, I think haven't quite hit the heights, and but they're both getting better. Uh, but you're right to, to call Skamaka and, and, and Paqueta as well a, a really good partnership. I think those two can develop something with that number 10 and then number nine role slipping in behind. He's not just your typical big uh, front man. So I, I like the way West Ham are going now. They're starting to pick up and starting to just gain a bit of pace. I thought David Moyes was brilliant on, on breakfast this week as well, uh, being interviewed uh, by Ali McCoyston, by Stuart Pearce. He came across in a good place. I think he's uh, a lot more relaxed now than he was maybe at the start of the season. And I think West Ham performances are slowly getting better and better. So like Scott, I've got no concerns that West Ham won't finish in the top half. He, of the table. He's starting to find his best 11 now. And I think, you know, with the, with the new guys, with the blend of what he had last season, yeah, I can see them getting getting further up the table. And, and he's no trying to get him fired as well like, earlier in the season. I think what I actually said was... Oh, here we go. Really no, this was when three. West Ham... Who, who were they playing, oh, West Ham? West Ham were playing Wolves. And yeah. I think what I actually said was there's been newspaper speculation, David Moyes is under pressure, but keep an eye on the guy in the opposite dugout. What happened? Bruno Large got his cards. Are you still um? Are you are you still working for the newspaper? You're still doing bits and pieces, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, right. Okay. Let's move on. Yeah. Wolverhampton Wanderers against Nottingham Forest is three o'clock on Saturday. Uh, Wolves turned down by Lepetegui. So who's getting that job then? Rob Edwards just got sacked from Watford. <laughs> now he's going to be the Wolves manager. Is this true? Tell me it's not true. Is it true? Maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. I think they're doing quite a thorough process. I don't think they're close to appointing anybody. Obviously, they wanted uh, Lopetegui. <laughs> Second time, he's turned them down. First time, it was because he got for the Spain job. This time, it's because his dad is uh, not very well over in Spain. So they've been a bit unlucky there, as they have with injury this season. They to Rob Edwards. He's a former Wolves player. He was uh, assistant to Kenny Jacket. He had a role in interim charge. So he has a relationship with the board. I don't think he will get the job, but he is on their long list of candidates. Okay, uh, only three goals scored all season. Um, that makes you favourites to go down. I don't care who you are. If you don't score any goals, you you ain't achieving very much. Um, what about uh, Nottingham Forest? Because they looked a lot better on Monday night. I spoke to Steve afterwards and he was saying, look, I don't want to play like this. I don't want to be a pragmatic manager. I want to develop a better system than that. But with what I've got and with the way we've been behaving over the last couple of weeks, we had to go back to basics. They did that. They got their point against Aston Villa. Um, I imagine if they got a point on Saturday against Wolves, they'd probably be as happy. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, when you say a lot better, I mean, yeah, five straight defeats. Okay, getting the point. They didn't concede four goals, did they? Yeah. That, that, they were okay. playing Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa. <laughs> they were poor. I mean, I've said this to you before. I've been in the studio with you about what Bobby Robson said to Alan Kerbishy one time about a manager who had lost five on the spin. What do you do? You play 11 defenders. And that's basically what he did, Steve Cooper. You know, you get your point and you try and move on. Would he be happy with a point? I think he probably would, again, considering. But this is the perfect time to play Wolves. It really is. I mean, they are in a really bad place. And as it stands, and you have to reevaluate the season as it goes. These are two of my favourites to go down. You know, they're, they're, they're in both in a really bad place for, for different situations. But you look at Forrest, I'm really pleased that Steve's got his contract. It takes the noise away from the fact that, yeah, okay, is he going to get sacked? But let me tell you, if they're in the relegation zone with 10 games to go, he's going to get sacked. Um, the owner would be ruthless enough to do that. He, he won't care. He wants Forrest to stay and not say, oh, you can't go down and take us back up again. Wolves at the moment, they're not scoring, you know, lost the last three, but Man City, West Ham and Chelsea, it's difficult games. They need a manager in. I can't see Rob Edwards getting in there. I can see again it being that kind of Iberian look uh, under George Mendes and we'll see what happens there. Could be Nuno again. I wouldn't totally rule that out. I've heard his name. That might have been you mentioned it actually on on tour. I listened the other day and I think you mentioned that, but I don't see this being a classic. By the way, just on Forest, very quickly, I am sh- shocked that uh, Jesse Lingard has not made more of an impact this season. I, I can't believe that. Well, Forest have sacked their recruitment team after signing 22 players, including Jesse Lingard. Listen, it's a long season. I, Jesse's a good player, just needs the right system and the right team. Crookie, I'm good. with you on that, and you know that. I didn't actually say it on there, but in a group WhatsApp, I did oh, support you on your go. saying on Jesse Lingard. 
Here we go. Oh, Cookie's got one right. We better back him up. Um, Morgan Gibbs White produced a brilliant display last week. He, well, not brilliant display. He was very good. He was their best player. He is their best player. And if he, he can rekindle that against the Wolverhampton Wanderers, he could have a field there against his former club. That's the kind of thing that usually happens, isn't it? So I hope he does because he's he's a brilliant little player. I really like him. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur against Everton. This will be fun. Um, Harry Kane starts the Premier League season, gone under the radar a little bit because of Haaland. He scored eight goals already. Uh, usually a bit of a slow starter, but he scored a missed penalty in the Champions League in midweek. He hadn't actually scored at all in the Champions League until a Wednesday night. Did score one from the spot, blazed one over late on. But Kane and Song combined really well in that game, something they haven't been doing so much this season. But... Yeah, um, and it was much needed uh, for Tottenham, uh, to use that word that Jurgen Klopp doesn't like, spark. Um, I think they've lacked it at times this season but uh, the fact that partnership between Son and Kane was firing again in midweek I think bodes well I think it's a tough game for Spurs um, Everton defensively they're reorganised obviously Dominic Calvert-Lewin is, is edging his way back to fitness I expect Spurs to win but I think it could be again quite an attritional Antonio Conte performance as opposed to one where we really see the the full force of their attacking weapons Yes, Richarlison will have a point to prove, obviously, against his former club. He'll want to play that match. So will Son and Kane. But I wonder whether or not Antonio Conte is happy about releasing three forward players in the Premier League and and leaving that midfield a little bit exposed because a two-man midfield of Bentancur and Hoybieg sometimes can get overrun in there depending on who they're playing against and the the system of the opponents. Um, Spurs have won 11 in a row at home, though. So how do Everton stop them from making it 12, Scott? Well, I, I personally think he will go to the to the three four three. I don't think, yeah, you know, I think against Brighton because they're so good on the ball, he had that extra midfielder in there, and I, I think he's it's in his DNA to go to three four three. Always play a player who's up against his old side. You do try that a little bit harder. I can speak from personal experience. But how how do Everton do it? Look, Everton just need to make sure on the counter attack. That's what Spurs do. They're happy even at home. They're happy to sometimes sit in. I've been there where the fans have been a little bit on top of them, not playing particularly well. How often do we say that? And yet they find a way. They are training daily to go for the counter attack. So Everton, if they're on the ball and they get numbers forward, they still have to be careful about that Son and Kane and 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 Richarlison there. And and just on the Son and uh, Kane thing. It's about time Son started playing because this season I think he's been pretty poor. Yeah, it was really good on Wednesday night though. Mm. Um, really good. He was in the mood. He scored two goals. One of them, the second one, absolutely terrific. Um, the key is just to stop Kane, isn't it? Because you you follow Kane around and stop him from getting into those positions where he can drop off, swing the ball in behind and Son can run in uh, beyond your defence. That's the, That is, it's a pretty basic tactic really, but you just have to sit on him and stop the supply line into him and stop him from supplying everyone else. There is a little bit of uh, uh, discussion about Everton and their auditor considering walking away, raising questions over the club financing. And there is a bit of a, obviously they've started to do the final stages of the Bramley Moore dock now. Last season, the next season, sorry, is expected to be the last season uh, at Goodison Park. But there is a sort of question mark over the financing of the club because of, Mashiri's involvement with Usmanov, Usmanov's sanctions and, and and where the club are in terms of investment. Yeah, I think that that Usmanov situation probably means that Mashiri is looking to sell, that there have been talks about various groups that maybe are interested in, in buying the football club. I think Peter Kenyon, uh, former Chelsea and Manchester yes. United CEO, was involved in one of them. So it's a concern, as you say, because they committed to this project that, that will have an impact on transfer funds, Listen, you can't question Mashiri's commitment to this point. He's put in so much money, whether he's invested it wisely is probably enough to fill a separate podcast. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if he is looking to sell up and, and maybe that's better for the long-term future of the club. Uh, live commentary this week from three games from the Premier League on Talk Sport. Brentford versus Brighton is Friday night. Leicester Palace, I'll be there on Saturday with Stuart Pearce. Well, we kick off at 12.30 with Start the program at 11 o'clock with Resmin Chowdhury. Uh, Fulham against Bournemouth straight after us on TalkSport 2 as we go round the grounds on Saturday afternoon with Adrian Durham. And on Sunday, a bumper Sunday session, live from Old Trafford. Loads of games kicking off at 2 o'clock. Loads of championships, Scottish, uh, WSL action as well. It's a huge, huge day. So join me for that 
I'll be on air from one o'clock. Scott, thank you very much for giving us your time. Pleasure, mate. Always good to see you. And uh, Crookie, it's been great fun having you here today. And we should give you credit for the fact that you said that Stephen Gerrard wasn't going to succeed at Aston Villa a long time ago before everybody else. But, you know, Aston Hootle, yeah. He's been there a long time in Premier League terms. So no disgrace if he does leave. Looking forward to a spectacular Manchester United performance against uh, Newcastle where they win 1-0 with a deflected goal or something like that. Oh, I'm uh, determined to enjoy it because you told me I was too grumpy on this podcast. You, so, you know, I'm a lot more upbeat and now. And now you're embracing the joy, aren't you? you know, Much like Adrian Durham. Yeah, We're cut except, from the same cloth. Except as if it's anything to do with Everton. Or uh, <laughs> who's the, who else is he on the hate on at the moment? I don't yeah, know. Just Gerard, really. <laughs> right. Uh, Game Day Podcast from TalkSport available on all your usual places. Remember, on Monday afternoon, the Visualised Podcast will review all of the actions. So stick around. Uh, for that on the TalkSport YouTube channel. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.